What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. We're going streaking Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports with wacky ass hijinks and analysis presented by ourselves. Adam, how's it going, sir? Was that a uh, almost slip up there? Just based off habit? I was trying to think of something to substitute, and nothing came out. I was like, ourselves. That's inoffensive. That's pretty good. Yeah. We used to do our fake ads back in the day. But that's yeah. when, you know, we tried more back then. Yeah. Let's start this episode over. <laughs> that's a great start. Let's start over. I think over. we still try. Remember you got to a point where you're like, I can't do it. I can't come up with a fake ad every week. Well, it's too much. Well, there's too much content to talk about nowadays, Graham. That might have been 2020, now that I think about it. Yeah, with our 30-minute episodes we do now, when it's just baseball season. <laughs> so it's too much, much to talk about. It's the dog days of summer now. We're not the dog. I think July is when you... In August are the real dog days. The summer's just started. I mean, this pretty much three quarters of the year is just looking forward to September when you have football and baseball. Mm-hmm. September, October overlapping. Yeah. Basketball cl- cranking up. Yeah. Pretty know. classic time. Yeah. But hey, strictly Braves, let's get into it, Graham. Let's do it. It's been a productive couple series for the Braves so far. Yeah. Braves are uh, have won four in a row and have won four of their last five. Um, it's really interesting how last year, around this time we go to Arizona when the Braves were underperforming, uh, Snicker calls closed door meeting, team meeting. As we know, the Braves went apeshit the rest of the year, won like 70 of their last 100 games or something like that, won the division. This year, you know, Braves definitely got off to a hotter start, but had a very sluggish May, very mediocre May, lost a series to Oakland, the worst team in baseball, and then they... Lose the first game in Arizona. Snicker again calls a closed door meeting, and the Braves proceed to win that series, and they haven't lost since that meeting. So it's uh, history repeating. It's kind of like go to Arizona, get yourself right. Also, June. Yeah. We, lo- we love June. We love June. That's when it happened last year. It was like right around the same same time. And they were inspiring victories. Uh, you know, the first Diamondbacks win was, was great. And then the last one, um, you know, back-and-forth affair. Soroka didn't have his best stuff. Eddie Rosario hits the walk-off Grand Slam. Eddie Rosario's hot again, which is great. Um, we'll see how long that lasts. And then comeback victories um, against the Mets as well. So three comeback victories in a row where the offense has really had to carry uh, the load because the pitching staff has given up 14 runs in the last three games. The Braves have scored uh, 21 runs in the last three games. So averaging seven runs in the last three games. So the offense has definitely carrying this team right now well it's also we're we're just back to you know all year we've kind of complained about how this offense is so reliant on homers but we're seeing a little more of that two out thunder a little more abc baseball stealing bases and uh the bottom of the order feeding the top that's was so great for us the last couple years and you know we're seeing like you mentioned rosario he's kind of been hitting in the middle but i think he's got like three homers since you talked shit about him last week he kept texting me it's like your boy rosario (laughs) Says, fuck you, Graham, over and over again. <laughs> well, he was, well, you spoiled the Grand Slam for me. I was a watch it later person. Well, uh, and uh, I was like, oh, Rosario must have done something. I, I didn't conceive that did was he ever. Be a Grand Slam. Yeah, did he was, ever with two outs in the ninth? Yeah. Um, so you love to see it. But then, I mean, you also, Michael Harris, he was starting to show a little bit of life, just hitting the ball hard at least. And then last night against the Mets, he just goes off three for four, started it with a bunt, Graham. You know, he he called that wasn't called for him. He just got himself a nice little bunt base hit, ended up on second base, and then next thing you know, he's three for four, hits just a massive two run bomb 
to straightaway center field in the eighth to win the ball game for us. And I don't know if you saw this, but it's it was very surprising, kind of refreshing to me. It's like talking about Marcelo Zuna and what the fans think about him versus what the clubhouse does. Michael Harris was saying Ozuna pulled him aside in the dugout like prior to the game and like gave him a little pep talk. It's kind of just like, hey, be loose. Stop worrying about mechanics. Yeah. Like you're the best center fielder in the league. Just be you and it's going to happen. So it, it's kind of cool to hear like, you know, some positive stories out of Ozuna. Yeah. Acuna and, also was saying Ozuna has always been a consummate teammate. Yeah. So it seems like his off the field issues do not interfere with the clubhouse and that he's actually an asset um you know as as a as a clubhouse leader um which is not what you'd expect just because i think we we do look at everything right and we get so distracted by the off-field stuff and the poor performance that was before the last month or so and we're just like this guy's worthless in all respects and then you don't hear about the good stuff you don't hear about him as much grind i mean you start to hear about how much how hard he worked when he started to do well um, and you, and then, you know, this is a really good story of Mike Harris too, but it's interesting now that Ozuna is kind of the bell of the ball. You know, he started to be productive and he's also providing good leadership in the, in the locker room. And it seems like he's always done that. Now we're hearing about it. So now I think people are starting to reevaluate Ozuna a little bit more, um, as time has gone on and the, and you know, him playing better obviously has a lot to do with that, but it is interesting how the perception of Ozuna has done a complete 180 since, you know, the end of April. Yeah, it's good. It's good to hear stories like that. He he did have the moment in <clears throat> Arizona where he hit a like four hundred thirty foot single. In fairness, that looked gone. Like, yeah. like he hit the shit out of that ball. Arizona is such a weird field. It's got that huge, you know, it's got deep center field. You know, it's it's beyond four hundred feet. Like you mentioned, four hundred fifteen feet, and it's got this weird overhang in the center field. If you're not familiar with it, and you have to hit it, and it's and it's up, like it's it's big. Like you have to like hit the ball like forty feet above where you normally hit it for it to be a home run. It'd be gone in 23 out of the 32 parks in baseball. Um, but, yes, it hit the right under the yellow line, and Snicker pulled Ozuna there's for no, not hustling. There's no quicker way to get benched by a Brian Snicker or Bobby Cox run yeah. team than not hustling out what should be a double. Yeah, and we've seen Snicker do that. We saw him do that with Ender, and I think in like 2017 or 2018 as well, and something like that happened. Happened so, to Acuna. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I've never been a fan of pimping home runs just because shit like that can happen. But I've also kind of come to accept it's just part of today's game. But um, that's when it can bite you in the ass when you when you least expect it. And I think, but I also like, too, you know, Snicker was like, you know, the post game was just saying, hey, you know, we can't do that. No one feels, you know, he feels a hell of a lot worse than I feel having to, to bench him. Yeah. And so, like, you know, there's a lot of contrition there and... You know, I was gonna know he knows he messed up, um, and you know that's the thing I like about the, the Braves club clubhouse and and Snicker in general. It's like, you know, you gotta when something like that happens, you gotta hold people accountable, regardless of how well they're doing or how poorly they're doing. Treat everybody the same. You know, I would I would expect you know even if Freddie Freeman was here and he did that, um, same thing would happen. You know, it's oh, yeah, like for sure. no one gets preferential treatment, and uh, you know it's just uh, <clears throat> I appreciated how that was handled now it's swept under the rug everybody's cool and now we're back to baseball yeah they've, they've just got such a nice mixture of veterans to go along with these young guys to like not not even like a matter of like i feel like with freddie he was more like i'm gonna put you in line 
Whereas like it's kind of just a little more wisdom coming from these guys. Like you look at Jesse Chavez and like he's been huge for AJ Minter this year. Right. Where Minter w- was sitting on like an eight point five ERA in like middle of May, and now he's come back and gone like what I think seven or eight straight scoreless innings, including closing out the game against the Mets last night. Yeah, he's gotten his shit together. That's for sure. And uh, he was crediting Chavez for kind of just like talking him through some stuff and. He's also just saying he looks up to Jesse in terms of the fact that he's 40 years old and still pitching. And like he, Chavez, back in his day, had stuff similar to AJ. So AJ's like seeing, you know, how long this guy's been in the league and how you got to learn to pitch. And like sometimes the stuff's not going to, it's not going to be as good as it was. So you have to learn how to like just hit the corners a lot more. So I think, um, you know, guys like that, guys like Morton. And what he's meant for like Bryce Elder and Spencer Strider. You know, these guys aren't necessarily like the stars on the team or like the superstars or anything like that, but you just got to have these veterans in place to just teach. Yeah, agreed. And, um, you know, there's another thing about Freddie. Freddie was kind of like, he was more of a silent leader too. You never really saw him vocalize, but he sort of led by example. And I think that has, even though, yeah, I agree, he was kind of like the sheriff and everything. But I also think that that's rubbed off a little bit on guys like Ozzy. Um, guys like I was about to say Dansby, but Dansby's not here anymore. But even with Dansby last year, you know, it was kind of like this not as uh, super vocal leadership, but just like a way of going about things. And I think the Braves all have a collective buy-in on how to do stuff. And you know, you hear when people come in who are new, Olson and Murphy in particular stand out in my mind about just the clubhouse culture is so great, and that everybody's welcoming, everybody works together. It's not like they're everybody's got to be best friends, but everybody knows what they need to do and they get along and they mostly have fun while they're doing it. And it goes a long way to performance. I mean, like, you know, we've heard horror stories, you know, about like, you know, the Mets before Buck Showalter showed up. And I know they're having a bad year this year, but just like look at how much better their clubhouse was with a different culture. Like culture is so important to the success on the field. You got to have great talent, but if everybody's miserable, it's not going to translate. It's a damn Mets, Graham. I want to talk about these Mets. I know. It's like, like your most hated team. Not just because they're NL East rivals, but because you've said last year on this air that you think they're the most overrated 100-win team in the history of professional baseball. Yeah. And like everyone's like raving about Buck Showalter. He's never won shit. He's won a lot of games, but he's never won the World Series. Exactly. And I don't think he's ever... I don't even know if he's been to a World Series. Not with the Yankees they never did? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, it's... It was funny. It was like the year... With, it was funny with, with... I don't know why I know this, but the year he was... So he was fired from the Yankees in 95. That's when Joe Torre came in. Yankees won the World Series. He was fired from the Diamondbacks after the 2000 season. They won the World Series. Um, so that's... I don't know. That's a really funny coincidence to me. Unfortunately, that didn't happen with the Orioles after he left. They went on like a five-year, 100-game losing streak. But... Uh, or 100 games per year losing streak so i think buck is a really good he he's he does a great job in still in clubhouse culture being like a orioles are my second team he did wonders with that with that roster in that clubhouse and they won a lot of games won playoff series but yeah he's never been able to i don't think he's ever been able to get to the world series um but there is something to be said about the culture he instills in a, in a locker room i think even though i feel like the mets are unraveling a little bit this year well, I mean, just look at this lineup, Graham. So we got. But do you blame him for the lineup? You know, I'm not as in tune with the Mets and some of the decisions. All I know is Frank the Tank hates Buck Showalter right now. Well, he hates everybody, but he really hates Showalter. Showalter does make like every like a lot of managers make some questionable decisions. He, but I think as like a just a general, as a guy who leads men, I think he 
does a good job of that. So he was complaining about like the decision last night. They bring in Adovino, who mm-hmm. apparently is incapable of holding a runner on base. And when Acuna was on, and Acuna yeah. like easily steals second and third, right? And then Harris, well, not Harris hits the homer, but how do we score after that? Um, maybe that was a different inning, but anywho, like it was just like you know, yeah. It's also he left Scherzer in way too long last night. Yes, for sure. Yeah, he, he he's bad with that stuff for sure, um, and that is a problem that can cost you games. But I think like by and large of it, you know. The guys won a lot of games for a reason. I mean, it's probably. I mean, I, I think their problems this lineup. You got Brandon Nimmo, he's fine. Yeah, Jeff McNeil, fine. fine. <laughs> <laughs> their super one of their superstars, Lindor, he's hitting two sixteen. That was one OBP of two ninety. That's horrible. Yeah, uh, Alonzo, their superstar, hitting two thirty one. But he has OBP three twenty six. Brett Beatty, don't even know who that is. Starling Marte hitting two forty five. Yeah. As uh, Frank the Tank calls him, Daniel Vogel Fat. <laughs> <laughs> that's something coming from Frank the Tank. <laughs> He's hitting two oh three. That, that's the one. They're like, why the hell do they keep hitting Vogel Fat? Like he's awful. Like yeah, he just doesn't swing. Remember how Bobby Cox used to run out Corky Miller all the time because he loved them so much. It was like it was like the, the the few years we went where we didn't go to the playoffs, like two thousand six and seven and stuff. Yeah. It was the same kind of thing. It was like Corky Miller's coming in. As a pinch hitter, or he's like starting, you know, three games a week. It's like, why is Corky Vogelbach is like every day? He's every day. Yeah, it's bad. And like, but you know, Buck is like loyal to a fault. I mean, uh, Chris Davis. Remember Chris Davis and the Orioles, who had that a couple years where he was hitting like fifty home runs, and they signed him this mega deal, and then he hits like one eighty the rest of his career. Buck kept throwing him in the lineup one because he loved him. Two, I'm sure the contract had a lot to do with that, but he is loyal to a fault. The lineups too. Yeah, I mean, it's just, like, not a very intimidating line. Like, they don't have injuries to their, like, starters. Yeah, but you would think if Marte, Lindor, and Alonzo were... Alonzo's still having a good productive year power-wise. But if you if, if Lindor, Marte, and Alonzo had better overall numbers, that lineup's better. Um, for sure. But I would agree that in terms of, like, if you look at our lineup versus their lineup, there's no comparison. They, they cannot match, you know, Acuna or Albies... Or uh, Sean Murphy, you know, I was um, or Olson, you know, I feel like in terms of just overall production, they can't match that with their entire lineup. Those four players, I don't think. I mean, at this point, we we got to start talking about the Marlins, Graham. The Marlins, you know, I keep saying the run differential and shit, and you know how they have a negative run differential. I say that every week. It's like it's like minus fifty. It's minus forty. Well, you know what? Now it's minus thirty-two. They're starting to score more runs than they're giving up, and they're on like a, what a five-six game winning streak. Yeah, and it's so weird too because Sandy Alcantara is having a horrible season. The, the last year, you know, the reigning Cy Young champ is having an awful season pitching. He's only had like four good starts all year. I know this because he's on my fantasy team, and yet they're still doing uh, fantastic overall. Like, I mean, they are surpassing all expectations. Well, they got freaking Luis Arreyes. Um, their starting second baseman this year came over from the Twins. Yeah, that was a good... He's hitting 403 still. Yeah. It's yeah. June, I mean, he, He'll probably win the damn batting title. Like, he had four RBIs the other night. And you know what? They are also taking advantage of a really uh, favorable schedule. If you look at their last four, uh, four opponents, Angels, Sweep, Padres... Um, they lost that series, but they swept the Athletics and they swept the Royals. So, I mean, they, they, are, they are winning... You know, they've swept three of their last four series. They are, yeah. on a, they are on a roll. They're taking care of business. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I think they're, what, three games back of us right three now? Three games back, currently on a six-game winning streak. So, to, to me, they're a bigger threat than the Mets. The Mets, I'm not going to count them out because I, I feel like that team can still do something. They, they're they definitely in a funk. But we were in a funk last year, too. And I'm not saying, you know, they are us or anything. But that they can still do things. Even with that, you know, quote-unquote shitty lineup that you're they're shitting on. That shitty lineup won 100 games last year. And they did that a lot without DeGrom. So it's like, they're still hanging around. They're seven and a half games back right now. We could sweep them tonight and really you know, bury them further. But I would say, yes, as of right now, the Marlins are definitely more of a threat than New York. Yeah, no, it's it's early, but it's, it's just like Alonzo talking shit on Monday. Oh, yeah, what a loser. So He's I, like, throw it again, throw it again, after he hit that home run to, off Elder. To Bryce Elder, of all people, who, A... Bryce, I mean Bryce Elder's only given up like three homers all year, and B he's never pitched against the Mets. So like, why are you talking shit to Bryce Elder? Yeah. And you know C he's yeah. the most quiet guy on the team. Yeah, and you know what's funny too? Like the Mets have no reason to talk shit. They blew the division last year. We've beaten them ten out of twelve times. The only championship Pete Alonso has won is the the home run derby. I'm sorry, have you even won a division? I don't think so. No. Like, fuck you. Yeah, no, uh, and and like you, you just gotta know as be, being a New York Met, you can't do that right now. Like we yeah. have, you have to quietly beat us. Yeah, that, that's just fuel. Yeah, you, you got Matzik in the dugout screaming. I love that Matzik was there yeah. screaming. Throw it again after the Braves like take the lead like two yeah. innings later. Mm-hmm. It's all over social media. It's like the new mantra of yeah. the year. Like we had the Tiger Woods thing a few years ago. Yeah, now we got this. And we also last year had the NL East is over. Yes, Sal. Th- thanks, Lacantra. Looked Sal whatever. Alcata. Sal, yeah, yeah, Alcata. Yeah, Braves, Braves declared, never lose. Yeah. Thanks to Frank the Tank. I'll, I love. We, we, I, I, we, I'll remember that. Frank, that's my favorite. Frank the Tank. He's just like the Braves never lose. They are God's team. <laughs> He hates us this year. He's like he hates us the, so the, much. The whole the whole fan base is is applauding when Alonzo gets hit. This is a classic classless organization. Were 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 people applauding for that? Well, I think they were not realizing how hurt he was. I think they thought it was a oh that's throwing at him for revenge. We usually don't do stuff like that. Yeah, I mean that's, they, that's like something that the New York Mets fans would do or Philly fans they, or something. They, I mean the the crowd was just like dialed into Alonzo like they were booing him when he was announced and all that well I think it also comes back to the, the well, yeah, uh, throwing I mean, again that, that's exactly yeah. why right good to win the series no matter what yeah. happens with no Strider pitching tonight, tonight we win the we win the series um, let's talk a little bit about Michael Soroka Adam had a uh, sort of rough time in his return to the majors Anthopolis went on record saying that you know we're not going to bring him up until you know he's ready and then he's not going to go down once he comes up pretty much I'm paraphrasing but he did say that it's two starts, neither start went well, particularly against Arizona. He just had to kind of like one bad inning against the A's. Um, but the Arizona start, his balls just aren't sinking, man. Like the sinker that he is so reliant on um, for inducing weak contact was is just flat. The slider's flat. Anyway, it didn't go well, and uh, they sent him down after two starts. And I'm kind of surprised that they sent him down after Anthopolis was like, once he's up, he's staying up kind of thing. Um, but I'm interested in your thoughts on it. Do you think it was the right move to send him down? Yeah, I mean, he just wasn't able to put guys away, and I think you give him a couple more starts if it weren't for the young gun, Smith Shaver, coming up and looking so good in that same game. He did. He came in and just did yeoman's work. And he looked like a starter, too, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, he was throwing 96-97, but, like, he could gun it up to 100 if he needed to, but... 
Like he was just pitching like a starter still. Yeah. And like this team is not scared to go with the best available option. And like there's no doubt Smith Schauber looks better than Soroka. Yeah, so I agree. But no, do you, you think Anthopolis would be more careful with his with his words? Do you think that even matters? It doesn't matter. I don't think it matters. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, he was bullish on that and then, you know, it's okay to walk something back. Like it's not the end of the world. I agree. Yeah, I mean I think at the end of the day, the only person it matters to is Soroka, but I'm sure that they had a lot of words in private about it and you know maybe i think they went to soroka quicker than they wanted to just because they kind of had to yeah with the, um, the state of the rotation so yeah excited to see smith shawver pitch uh either friday or saturday against the nationals and um yeah maybe maybe he's a another little weapon just like strider last year elder this year yeah, it's nice that we're like kind of just plugging and making it work with these guys until it's crazy that that keeps working. Yeah, we'll I mean, see how it works with Smith Shaver. Developing talent, Graham. It's a thing. It is uh, a thing. It's what we have to do because we don't we don't spend a lot of money. So it's something we have to do. I mean, we only have like the top five payroll in the team, but I, well, in well, the league, but you well, know, not yeah. a lot of money. Well, I'm just saying compared, like we could spend more money. You'd rather the be the Mets just throwing money at no, anything, and because I think the Mets sucking. The Mets are not serious people. To me. <laughs> <laughs> they're not serious people because they have a lot of money. They're like Nepo babies. They're like the kids on Succession. They have a lot of money. They'll throw it at things like, you know, shiny things like a Verlander and a Scherzer. But they don't think about the optics, Adam. They don't think about the optics of the situation. And they expect everything to just work by giving $50 million to two guys who combine to be 85 years old, who are great pitchers, but are definitely at the tail end of their careers. And they've had health problems. And they build their team around that, and it doesn't work. It's just poor strategy. I would love to have that much money to throw at people, for sure. But I think the way they've spent their money <laughs> is so dumb. They are not a serious franchise at all. So you're saying the Mets are they're seeing that shiny Porsche on like Facebook Marketplace, yeah. and they're just buying it without looking under the hood. Right. Yeah. They're not taking it to their mechanic. No. They're not getting it checked out. No. They're like, that looks good. I'm gonna be Kendall Roy. That looks good, Dad. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that Porsche. <laughs> I'm gonna buy that uh, Justin Verlander Porsche, and it's gonna make a big noise like that that uh, motorcycle that just went by, Dad. I mean, they win all the trophies in like December. They you do know, in the off season. Remember, they also did the fake. Um, I love talking shit about the Mets. They did that. They did that a few years ago. They did a let's imagine we won the World Series in spring training. You remember that shit? No. Oh, so spring training is before Showalter came in. They imagined that they would win the world. Like, how's a team react when they win the World Series? So they had like a guy fly out to the right fielder, guy caught it, and they all celebrate in front of no one. Oh, like man. they've won the World Series. Like, guys, just imagine you're winning the World Series right now. It was like a, it was like a, a theater production in middle school or something. It was ridiculous. There's video of it online. That's it's, really it's hilarious. Just, just go on Twitter and say Mets win World Series, <laughs> and you know the only thing that will come up is that shit. It's their fake World Series. That's crazy. It's like put them in a positive mindset or something, but it's just so dumb. I think that's just so dumb to do. Yeah, I mean, if you do it, you don't want that to get on camera. That's the thing. Everybody recorded and it, yeah. and now it's out there. And just a loser organization. It, it, it really, they really are. And the thing that's that's it, crazy is is that you know they really showed that you know last year that they could rise above adversity. They changed the clubhouse culture. They won 100 games. They got back to the postseason. And now they're just taking a big old shit on that progress with poor offseason decisions and a team that just seems like um, they, they almost like ran it back. 
if you think about it. They pretty They're much like just, the Hawks a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, they just they subbed. Um, who was it? They subbed uh, Verlander for Degrom, right? Because they had they had Scherzer last year, right? Right. Yeah. So that's pretty much what they did. They didn't really make any moves on offense. They pretty much just ran it back, and they you know, and they invested so much money in Francisco Lindor. And to their credit, I thought that was a brilliant move to bring in Francisco Lindor. I mean, he had been the class of the shortstop position for years. Excellent player, excellent all around, you know, defender. You know, offensive player always was a high on base percentage guy with power. He could do it all. Now he's just regressed into nothing. And they gave him like a 13 year extension worth like, I don't know, 240 million, something insane like oh, that. Oh, a lot more than that. Probably. Or maybe like, yeah. So it's just like, I, you know, that's just a catastrophic move. And it's also a guy who's in the prime of his career. So like that blew up and that, you know, I don't, I don't think that was like the worst move in the world, but. Basing your rotation on two, you know, on Verlander and Scherzer at this stage in their career is just a bad move. You didn't upgrade offensively at all, really, and you just expected to run it back and do it again, pretty much. So yeah, it's it's um it's it's really not forward thinking. You know, as as much as I love talking shit about these teams, and I just want to throw you know the Phillies under the bus real quick as well. They won four in a row. Yeah, yeah, they're still twenty nine thirty two. Some of these big names are not doing. What they thought they would. Oh, Trey, yeah, I know you're Trey, really upset. Trey Turner's right? hitting like 240. That was a that was such Schwar- a big Schwarber's yeah. hitting 179. I know you're really upset about that for your fans. Although apparently Schwarber goes off in June, so we shall see. We shall but see. it is still early in the season. Graham, you are right. Let's not sleep on any of these teams. Good on Washington for being respectable this year. 25 yeah. and 36. Yeah, I mean, like they're only what one game behind. Look out for them in a couple of years. Yeah, they're they're a half game behind the Cardinals. Um, you know, it's not like they're Oakland or Kansas City or anything like that. So, Point is, I'm happy with where we are. I am, too. And I'm really happy to see Austin Riley do well. Austin yeah, Riley has he's been cranked it up big, big time. He's seen he's the ball. big. He has, he has figured something out. And I know we talked about last week, but like it's consistent. He's all over the place. It's consistent. He's doing – he's hitting the – yeah, you're right. He's hitting the ball to all fields, hitting for power, having better at-bats. You know, Ozuna continues to contribute as well. He went through that little stretch. You know, that's like one for nineteen kind of slump, and he's, now he's, he's been good again. He's coming back, clutch hits, two yeah. out hits, and it's so big to have. You know, Travis Darno on your bench. You need Travis Darno. You can plug him in, and I like. You know, Sean Murphy has. You know, he is the guy at catcher, and that's okay. And I think you know, and and that spoke, and it speaks to the move the Braves made when they brought him in. They gave him that huge extension. And that said that he's the catcher of the future, and he has lived up to that billing. He is the best. He might be the best catcher the Braves have ever had in our lifetime. All around. Can you think of a better, like, Javi Lopez can't touch this guy's jockstrap. I love Javi. I'm glad you see the light now, Graham. Well, you know, it, it's, it's thinking, it's, that's forward-thinking stuff. You have the opportunity to go get a great player regardless of position. They got him. And they probably so also, you completely. I mean, this is a one eighty, Graham. This is a one eighty for me because I was. You thought it was the dumbest move in America. I didn't think it was the dumbest move, but I was like, you know, you have these holes in left field, and I still think that's stupid. But <laughs> I can't deny how good Sean Murphy is I, and how he has flourished here and become an even better offensive player. We knew the defense was going to be good, and it has been excellent. But the offense has also been excellent. He is so valuable to this team and I mean, such a fantastic player. It's crazy getting out of Oakland like his. Career high in homers is 18, and he's already up to 12. Yeah. Like he's going to fly by that he'll, before he'll, the All-Star he'll hit, break. He'll hit 
30 home runs if he stays healthy. Yeah. No, um, he's, he, he's been just extremely consistent yeah. and um, a tough out. And I think great for the pitching staff. Great. I mean, unbelievable defensively. So I've never, I, we've never had a pitcher, a catcher as good defensively as him. You think he's better than like Eddie Perez defensively? Yeah. Surely Eddie was pretty good. Eddie was good defensively, but Eddie didn't have, Eddie could not throw guys out the way that Sean Murphy throws guys out. The, the accuracy is like every time someone tries to steal on him, it seems like he guns them. This is right there. He beats them by at least a step. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And it's like, a, and they talked about it in, you know, preseason spring training, how it's like every throw is like a line drive and the, and the, Pitcher's got to, like, move out of the way. He can't just duck. He's got to, like, do a barrel roll to the right to make sure that he's not going to get hit by this laser coming to the second base. And he's lived up to the billing and more, man. He's, I am blown away by how good he is. And left field be damned. If you can get a player of that caliber and your left field is kind of like, eh, then so be it because he's a, game, he's a literal game changer. If you had a good left, you know, a better left fielder, and then you had the Contreras, Contreras or no catching battery. It's, you know, you'd still be, I'd say we'd still be probably in a relatively similar position. But I think in terms of like when it comes down to the postseason, right? And I'm already looking ahead to that, and that's probably a dangerous thing. But when it comes to the postseason, and you got a guy who can be that good offensively and that good defensively at a premium position where catcher can literally change the game with how they call games, throwing guys out on steal attempts, especially with the new rule changes, Sean Murphy is the way it's pretty sweet to i can confidently say right now we have the best catcher in the nl east yeah real muto can't touch this guy if real muto if it was seven years ago whatever but real you know yeah we definitely have and the he's still young he's we have still the, we have the best catcher he could in baseball. get better we have the best catcher in baseball yeah and it's really going to come down to for the, these braves to me watch out for the marlins they're pesky little bastards and then you gotta you gotta bolster like I've been saying bullpen rotation. Let's go get some people. You mentioned last night off air that uh the Royals are making Scott Barlow and Aroldis Chapman available. Definitely think that's something we should look at. Yeah, into. and they said they said they'd package them both in one trade. Like you can instantly change a bullpen with that. Um one thing we're kind of forgetting about our bullpen, who's like still statistically been pretty damn good. Uh Dylan Lee is out. And he was just such a huge quiet piece. He's yeah. like just so underappreciated mm-hmm. for how damn good he was. Mm-hmm. And like you kind of forget with like these guys that come in and just get three outs in the sixth or seventh, just like how that sets up the rest of the game or like keeps you in a game. Mm-hmm. So if you're down two and Dylan Lee comes in and shuts him out, then like with our offense, you can score three or four late. But if you've got some some of these other guys down there coming in and blowing these games, then you're out of it. So like yeah. I think getting Dylan Lee back which i think like he shouldn't be out that much longer that's going to be huge for the bullpen it's going to be huge but i'm also i wonder about you know it's it's another thing i hate to keep going back to it but the question marks right can he hold up down the stretch he's already been overworked to start the season and now he's been out you know it's like when he comes back can he hold up i would still want insurance like it's great if he comes back and can do his thing but get the bullpen better the bullpen has got to be more consistent than what it's been and it's great that mentor has locked it down. Iglesias has looked great recently. Chavez has been unbelievable. Chavez is is defying everything right now. But I I want like at least one more guy I can depend on because you need four great bullpen well, pieces. Nick, in the Nick Anderson's been really damn dependable. He's been he's been really good. But I, but again, that's a guy that doesn't have a lot of experience. I want I would love some people with Sir? more experience. Sir, 
Nick Anderson, yeah. he of pitching for the Rays in the like playoffs and World Series. Nick Anderson, yeah, I need, he doesn't I, have experience. I need That's, more, Adam. You could say you need more, but don't just like make up experience as just something to say. Nick Anderson has plenty of experience. He's only been around since 2019. He's 32 years old, bro. He's only been around since 2019. That's five years. <laughs> That's not a lot of experience. I need I need guys who have been who've seen the shit. All right. He only played six games in 2021. 23 in 2019. He's only thrown 112 innings in his career. That's not a lot of experience. I don't care how old you are. I'm talking about what is on the back of your baseball card. Yes, he's pitched in big games for Tampa Bay, and yes. He did really well, especially in the 2019 uh, ALDS. But I need more than, than what we have right now, experience-wise. Iglesias and Mentor, I'm not worried about. And Chavez, I'm not worried about either. Even though it's still kind of scary with him with the lack of velocity. But he's fantastic. I need like a couple more pieces I can be like, I know what I'm going to get from these guys. Him and Ez ain't the guy. So, Nick Anderson could be the guy, but you just don't know. Yeah, still got some good arms out there. McHugh. I, I do like McHugh a lot. Is that enough experience for you? That's enough experience. For me. Okay. <laughs> We're saying when a guy's only been around for four years, that's not that's not a lot of experience. But it's it's like saying like you've got a stud, like a second-year player. You don't want him because he doesn't have experience. Would you classify Nick Anderson as a quote-unquote stud? Uh, he's He's been a top-tier reliever. He's been good. He's been very good. But... I'm oh. saying experience doesn't mean good or bad. No, it doesn't. But I'm just saying when, like, you could, you know, you could also look to someone like, uh, you know, Chris Young, who's no longer, I don't know if he's still playing or not, but, you know, he was like 45 years old, still pitching. He had a lot of experience, but would you want him at this stage in his career? No. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying I would like a guy who has more than four years of, of experience. Once again, Graham, you just want us to go out and get a good ball player I want, a, I want a good ball player who has been through the wars okay jesse chavez has pain and experience that's one reason why he's so fucking good in pitching at this well at age 40 I want more jesse chavez's yeah you mean more jesse chavez's what do you think how do you feel about uh rotation wise max freed officially placed on the 60 day injured list earlier this week i'm not too concerned about that i don't know if that really affects his his return that much because I think that's backdated to when he was out. Yeah, for sure. My mom sent me this text. It's like I just heard about Max, and I was like, "Holy shit, what is it?" And I was like, "Oh, this is just like no, paperwork." Kind yeah, of thing. it was in order to bring up this Munoz kid for like two days, and then he got sent back down right. for um, I can never remember that guy kid's name. The guy who uh, right, what's his name? Mike Tonkin, Michael Tonkin. Tonkin. Yeah, who got called back up today? So I do like Tonkin, and heroes <laughs> emerge too. You know, like you know. Like Matic. Matic like didn't have experience. He didn't have a ton of experience. But he showed up when he needed to. But yeah. It's one of you those... want Will Smith back is what you want. <laughs> He's got experience. He does have experience. I don't think the Rangers are going to give him up, though, with how well they're playing. That would be funny. I could see us trading back for him. Although, yeah, you're right, though. They are a first-place team. Yeah, right? they're, doing, they're doing too well. That's weird. Bruce Bochy, man. Talk about another guy who'd like... Now, that's a good coach. That guy has won three three championships. See, th- that guy knows how to win championships. He knows how to win. Like, he's also, he's a good coach, but he also knows how to win. Yeah. Like, when you absolutely have to win. Which yeah. Buck has never quite figured out Show in his Walter is storied career. Half of Bochy. Yes. Um, what else? What other concerns or fears do you have? Concerns or fears? 
Um, I want to see Orlando Arcia move up a little bit in this lineup, Graham. He's I okay. So our bet we made earlier in the season is that the whenever Arcia went down, which is never going to happen at this point, that he would have a higher batting average than Dansby Swanson. So I think we're just going to have to wait until the end of the season at this point because Arcia ain't going anywhere. He's having the season of his life. He's defied all expectations. Yeah, no, I mean he's he's. I mean we saw from when Von Grissom was up just how much better of a player Arcia is. So you yeah. feel like, and he's one of those guys, like some, some people on this team do just have that clutch gene, Eddie Rosario included with that two out grand slam. Like there are some, Rosario pe- does have a clutch gene. For there sure. are some people that like the moment, like their, their heart slows down. Yeah. Like it's weird with Eddie. It seems like he swings at everything, you know, when the, uh, when he doesn't have like a favorable count, like he never walks. He's got a sub-300 on base percentage. But when it's two strikes, the guy just bears down yeah. and does something. I mean, when you absolutely need him to do it. It's it's pretty incredible. I mean, even that game, like before he hit the Grand Slam, he struck out like two times on horrible at-bats and then had, you know, soft fly out on a ground out. You know, he wasn't doing anything, even though he had the great game the night before. But he was like struggling, and then he bears down in this big moment. Hits Grand Slam. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, if he can get going, and like if Mike, I mean, if Michael Harris gets going, Michael Harris is going. Look, we will run away from the division. Yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. That's exactly what happened last year. Yeah, yeah. He was a five point four WAR player last year. We know how good he can be. If he gets going, the NL East should be like on like death watch. Like they're like forget about it. But because I've been a little too positive today, Graham, like you asked for concerns, I, I will say. I do agree. I, I want to see some more depth in the bullpen right now, or at least like you have to trust Yates. You have to trust Jimenez. Like we can't run the four same four guys out there every night. Well, can you? But can you trust? I think I can trust Yates a little more than Jimenez. Jimenez just hasn't shown me anything. He's never had like one inning this year where I've been like that looks. Even when he's had clean innings, it has been impressive to me. You know, it, it, he doesn't go out there and just put his proverbial you know what on the table and be like i am here i am pitcher hear me roar he doesn't do that shit not yet i mean he's another one though like the track record's there the track record is there but so, it's a little it's kind of like maybe you'll figure it out it's like uh we talked about it a while shane ago. green shane green it's like shane green had like that one really good year of detroit but it was kind of up and down before that it's very similar to him and it's it like up and down then great year last year and then it's like he gets here Ugh. yeah so yeah hopefully you're right Jimenez has to figure it out I love Kirby Yates to figure out. He struggled last night, but he has been better recently. That's a long year. Um, but yeah, but I would agree with you. I think Arcia, I would bump him up some. Yeah, put him in that six or seven spot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been, and the defense has been impressive. I don't know, like, the advanced metrics, but just eye test-wise, he hasn't done anything to make me be like, oh, he shouldn't be out there. Like, you know, with Von Grissom, it was like a, when he was out, when Arcia was out, it was like an adventure every night. It was a choose-your-own uh, Von Grissom adventure, and he was like, man, bad throws, misplayed, routine plays on the ground. Um, yeah, he needs some more time, but I think that's okay. You I, know, like I don't think he's going like, to – I think he's our trade piece for this summer. I would hate to, to give to up on To get closer to winning a World Series. Well, if you can go trade him – If you can get for like a, Chapman and uh, Barlow? Maybe. Or if you can go get a, a top-tier starter. Yeah, I mean, he should, he should. You're probably right. Like he would be the one of the top, um, a featured player in a package. Especially like with Arcia locked up for like three years, 
and looking like a what viable a steal that is if he yeah. can like seven seven million dollars for three years and then get this level of production not that he's been and you know it's one of those things too where it's like it's not like he is some absolute freaking maniac but he has been you know he's hitting over 300 with an 835 ops for three million dollars a year yeah i'll take that every day of the week he's like a omar infante his all-star season right yeah very similar it's already been worth 1.6 war. And he's got a 375 on base. I love that. Love that. Absolutely love that. That means he's actually walking. I, I have nothing but good things to say about Orlando. So what do the Braves have coming up, Graham? Coming what? up. The schedule. Let's take a look. See here. The schedule is going to soften up a little bit. Okay. Three very winnable series. Washington's coming here. Then we're going to Detroit for our last encounter with Miguel Cabrera and then we are then we're coming back and Colorado's coming in town for a four game set so Washington Detroit Colorado are your next uh 10 games after tonight against the Mets I'd say that's very favorable and after that you got Philadelphia and Cincinnati so you are looking even though Philadelphia and Cincinnati have been playing well recently you should win like four of those series yeah let's just get yeah let's just get back to winning series Again. That's all you got to do, win series. So, yeah, very, very favorable matchups for the Braves right now, for sure. And it's so good to to be able to put the Mets in their place, continue to show that they are not serious people. We're up 3 nothing on them right now. Up 3 nothing on, on them right now. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's it, Adam. So, we'll wrap this one up. I uh, hope you guys are doing well. We'll see you next week. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.